Welcome to the Audit Room, the number one podcast where you can share your audit experiences, ask questions, and get expert coaching and feedback. Episodes are recorded live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago Time, 12 noon New York, and 6 p.m. Berlin. So be sure to check the show notes to join our next meeting and get all your auditing questions answered. Now, here are our hosts, Trent Russell and Tracy Marquardt. This podcast is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, the services firm that helps auditors leapfrog up the analytics maturity model. Their approach for launching audit analytics programs with a series of proven quick win analytics will guarantee the results worthy of the analytics hype. Whether your audit team needs a data strategy, methodology, governance, literacy, or anything else related to audit and analytics, visit greenskiesanalytics.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Quality Assurance Communication. If you're an internal auditor who wants to take your own or your team's communication skills and audit results to the next level, who wants to create more for yourself, your team, and your organization, no matter where you work around the globe, then check out Quality Assurance Communication at qacommunication.com. Hello, everyone. This is The Audit Room. You can join us live by connecting with Tracy Marquardt or myself, Trent Russell, on LinkedIn to get the link, uh, the Zoom link. Um, so you can ask your questions in the chat of our guests uh, that we have on. I am your co-host and moderator, Trent Russell. I'm the founder of Green Skies Analytics, where we help launch internal audit analytic programs and data teams. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tracy Marquardt. Hi there, everybody. I am all things audit communication. So to help your team improve their communication with each other and externally, in the business to your audit clients, from audit report writing to interviewing, negotiating, and your global communication competence, I am the one you want to reach out to. And I'm super, super excited today that we have Ellen Hunt with us. Now, Ellen is, I think, quite well known in the industry. She is pr principal consultant and advisor at Spark Compliance Consulting. She's a lawyer, which is fascinating, with extensive management experience and um, works on ethics and compliance programs, including board governance, reporting, designing ethics education, all kinds of things. So Ellen, I know you've got a lot going on in the background and there's conferences and things you're speaking at. So if you want to add to your introduction, you're welcome to, and uh, welcome to the audit room. Well, thank you. It's just a pleasure to be with you. And I'm really thrilled to talk about our topic today, our ESG and auditors. Exciting. It's hot stuff, isn't it? It is. And I will say after this, if you want to hear more from Ellen, <clears throat> you should be able to go at least to iTunes and search for Ellen Hunt. You can search by individuals instead of like a specific show. I know, Ellen, you are no stranger to podcasts and public speaking. And so I'm sure there is um, other ones that you can that you can check out. Uh, might even be the one. I think, Ellen, you were one of the first people I had on the audit podcast. So thank you for being a guinea pig of sorts on that. Okay. Somewhere like in the top 10 or so. So. Um, good, good to chat again, especially about this topic. Um, so just kick things off. We are talking ESG. The title for today is five actions to take with ESG. Uh, the title was derived from an article that Ellen had written for compliancechristie.com. Uh, I've put that link in the chat. It'll also be available in the show notes, um, titled five things you need to know and five steps to take relative to ESG. And so, um, relative to audit, anyway, uh, there's been on, uh, some back and forth on audit's role with ESG, um, but I'm curious, why should we, auditors, care about ESG, 
and what role could we play as opposed to what we should play maybe yeah so you know i think auditors have a tremendous role within the organization because they should really be sought after business advisors right and so whenever the company is starting a new program or changing some of its operating procedures and then reporting on that publicly of course internal audit should have a seat at the table to help advise on how that should be done, to be made aware of what those changes are, and then really to help be a gatekeeper to make sure that what's being said and done is truthful. So I think uh, it's a great opportunity for everybody in the assurance um, functions. Uh, and I think there's an absolute um, natural uh, place for internal auditors to be part of the process. I want to follow up with two of my least favorite questions, <clears throat> usually, but these are, uh, in this case, because it is so new, um, I do want to ask you about it for, because I can imagine people are going to scroll through the podcast episodes and they're going to see the ESG one and go, okay, I need to listen to that. And so for those, or at least for the ones that don't really have um, much or maybe as much of an understanding, could you just briefly explain what ESG is, why we're hearing about it all of a sudden? It seems like um, I know like I got a car years and years and years ago and I thought it was a Volkswagen Passat and I went, nobody drives this car. I'm going to get this car because nobody has it. I bought it. Seemed like the next day, everybody and their mom had that same car. And so ESU is the same way. I like, I, I didn't hear about it, talked to one person. And then after that, it seems like I just see ESG everywhere. So, um, what it is, why, uh, why we're hearing about it so much now and why we should care. Yeah. So um, actually, it's been around for quite a while. It is um, a outgrowth or part of perhaps the corporate citizen or the CSR movement to some extent, but it really has a different emphasis, right? So the E is for environmental, the S is for um, social, and the G is for governance. And different things fall under those different categories for different organizations. But generally, of course, the environment is what are you doing to protect it? How are you utilizing it? And what are your goals in the future to help us be um, uh, aware of our climate and, and a good steward of it? The social is really about how are we treating the communities in which we work and impact? Uh, and that's sure, a shorthand. There's a lot more there on the social piece, but it is much more than having a foundation or giving to foundations. Uh, so it goes well beyond the idea of just being a, a good corporate citizen, although that's important as well. And the governance piece is really about what kind of um, structures have you put in place to make sure that you've got the right kinds of programs and support in your organization to provide governance. And that's an absolute part of the assurance functions like internal audit and ethics and compliance. So that's that's it in a very short short nutshell. It really has been around for a decade, yeah. um, but it's become much more popular. Uh, and I think it was really the World Economic Forum, I believe, in 2018, that really kind of gave it its um, notoriety uh, because it really came forward with principles um, suggesting that, of course, every organization should adopt these principles. And that was around the time, of course, of the business roundtable that restated the purpose of a corporation, which is to uh, include more than just your shareholders, 
but then you have a responsible to responsibility to your stakeholders, uh, which includes how do you treat the environment? What are you doing in the communities that you work in? And how are you governing yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I ask a question, Ellen? Because I feel like governance should be over the E and the S and a bunch of other things. And why are they why are they kind of equal in that lettering ESG? Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, it's a question of interpretation, right? I, and and of course governance lays over everything, right? Your business operations, your financial statements, how you're treating the environment, how you're treating your employees. Um business. Yes. Yeah. So I so I don't know that 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 the ESG is necessarily a statement of the hierarchy or the architecture of the program. Um, I, th I think that, um, you know, you have, you have some people who advocate that the S's may be more important than the E and that the G is actually the overarching yeah. concept and principles for the whole program. Um, so I think one of the things that we're continuing to see, of course, is it's beginning to evolve and mature and develop uh, and, um, I think that we will see um, that uh, as time goes by, it may get, you know, different versions uh, of it, but um, you can't do it without governance, right? And, right. and you know, one of Trent's question is, why do we care? I think you care because uh, your, stake, uh, your stakeholders care, right? We know that there is absolutely a movement in... Um, consumerism to do business with folks that people feel um, share their same values about the environment and social and governance. And your investors and your bankers care uh, and are beginning to rate you on how well you do uh, on that. And so, um, and, and then I think you care just for the corporation's reputation and that you never want to be in a situation where you have uh, greenwashed or ethics washed uh, any of your representations. So I think that's that's why we need to care. And Hal has a question that, that yeah. I'm going to tack on after this one because it kind of goes hand in hand if it, it's not almost the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this the second le my second least favorite question to ask is where to start. Um, so I'm going to try to try to phrase it differently. Although Hal's throwing me off now with this question, but so rather than where to start from an audit perspective what's the minimum um of audits maybe in uh involvement and, and looking at your article i know you talk about at least as, as part of the five kind of takeaways one of them being reviewing the sustainability report and then comparing that to others maybe as like a benchmarking of sorts yeah. but, um so to ask my least favorite question where could or should internal audits start relative to esg yeah so I think a great place to start is read your own company's report because uh, it will tell you a lot of things about some of the decisions your organization has already made. For example, what index or indexes are they following? And then the next question of that is why did they choose the ones that they did? Uh, it will also just give you a great framework in kind of what's required. And the reason that the next thing to do is to prepare is because you can see reports that scratch the surface, and then you can see some where people have gone very deep into this and the kind of uh, goals and uh, metrics and measures that they're reporting are really quite extensive um, 
a real layer of disclosure that we've never really seen before. Uh, for example, how many people are calling their hotline? How long did it take them to close those cases? Mm. What were they about and what was the discipline? That's information you usually don't even see internally, let alone externally. So I think that's a, that's a great place to start. Uh, I think the other place to start, Ben, is to think about becoming knowledgeable with some of the other indexes. And if you're, of course, if you're working in a public company, you've got to start to think about following the new SEC disclosure requirements, climate disclosure requirements, to which some people have suggested will be as much of a fundamental change to operations as SOX was. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, there's a lot of material, right? And there you could read day in, day out for hours. But um, if you're really interested, I'd start with the report of your own organization and take notes. And when you see something, you go, well, why are they disclosing that? Or why is this here? Take some notes. And then then you've got a roadmap to dig deeper. Okay. And then to follow it up. Sorry, go ahead, Tracy. And then I'll on the house. Because I'm thinking, you know, I'm in Europe quite a bit, Ellen, and I'm wondering how pervasive is this around the world? Is it mostly in the U.S.? No, we're way behind. U.S. is way behind. Okay. U.S. is way behind. Um, there uh, are a number of initiatives. The um, uh, the, uh, the Netherlands, in particular, has been very strong on this. Uh, I have a number of international clients too, and they are absolutely feeling the impact from um, uh, their business partners and and customers who are demanding that they meet certain uh, requirements on ESG and they disclose that in their in their proposals and their bids. So we're behind uh, and um, not as much of a forerunner in this. An, an example of that is there are uh, EU and European requirements, an ESNG, right? And the SEC has just come out on E. <laughs> uh, and we're very, we seem to be very focused on E and to your point, Tracy, where's, where's the G, where's the S? And I've always said, where's the G, you know, because I look at yeah. hundreds of audit reports every single year and I still say, even in audit reports, where's the G, you know, why are we looking about governance? So I love that at least now with ESG, there's more talk about governance, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How, how can, how can any board of directors uh, provide proper oversight of an organization if they are not hearing from the assurance functions on the risks that the organization has and how those risks are being mitigated. Yeah. It's just, it's it's kind of simple governance 101, right? Yeah. And there's, we have other questions that are from the article that you wrote, but with it being linked in the show notes and in the chat, um, it was really more for you to elaborate on those, but I would, I prefer to take questions from folks in the audience. Um, and so we can basically question other questions I had, read the article and, and the, the audience can figure it out. Um, so I do want to hit on some from Hal and Bud, uh, Hal's first one being, how do we get organizations to treat it as more than a compliance ID do the minimum exercise? Yeah, so so I think you know um, their organizations are at different levels of maturity, right? So 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 some have been in the game for about five years, maybe even a little bit longer. Uh, I, certainly, one thing that I think makes it more than a minimum exercise or a minimum compliance exercise is if you're public, you're going to have these client uh, uh, climate disclosures, uh, and I don't I don't think it's a stretch to think of it. 
with the same kind of enormity and potential impact as implementing SOX, right? We've done that, couldn't have done it without the auditors, right? And um, so so we've got a little uh, history under our belt, not our first rodeo, so to speak, but um, uh, that needs to be done carefully and thoughtfully, and it really should be done with your internal auditor uh, at the table as, as your advisor on there. Um, I think you will find there are going to be some organizations and it might, you know, be industry specific, right? If you are more of a service industry than you are a manufacturing industry, well, what is your impact on the environment? Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) carbon neutral might just might not really mean much for your organization. Uh, but, uh, I think, you know, that bodes back to Tracy's comment early on. Well, what about the S and the G? What are you doing in your communities? How are you governing yourselves? How are you making your board aware of this? And I think that's that's the other piece that's important uh, on this, How is, okay, and who's reporting to the board? Because frankly, it really shouldn't be, right, the people who are putting together the reports. It should be somebody who's provided some oversight on how, what are the processes, how are those numbers are derived at, and are they right? I'd like to jump in because I've seen Bud's question and I just want to ask, for public companies, it's very clear to me that this is super important. What about companies that aren't public? And I know I have a a client who the audit team reports to the CFO Mm -hmm. and it's very hard for them to get any exposure to the board. So how how does ESG factor in that kind of scenario? Yeah. So it's interesting. I have some clients who are private as well. Uh, and, um, some are very involved and, and at the forefront of this and some are kind of like, yeah, I don't know that it's that important. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I think an area, um, to think about is, do you know what your stakeholders really want? And I'm here, not just talking about customers, who maybe uh, begin to start asking for this kind of disclosure. And it may be more than just on the E, right? What are you doing in the community? What, you know, how are you governing yourselves? Which, and private companies are not that, that comfortable and that often asked to disclose in this kind of way. Mm-hmm. So you have to think about getting comfortable by that. But I, I think it really is about your stakeholders and what their expectations are. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised that as time goes by, we're going to see um, uh, those stakeholders demand the same kind of reporting and disclosure, whether you're public or private. Yeah, they're they're not going to care. Um, maybe because they're not going to be an investor for you, you don't care as much. But it's becoming the norm that there's some kind of sustainability report, no matter what kind of organization or. That's a, it's a very interesting. Um perspective. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm going to actually bear that in mind when I have my next call with them uh, with the, with this particular client, because I know they do struggle uh, with with that. But I think internal stakeholders very different from external stakeholders. And there can be some very different pressures maybe that come from the external stakeholders. Like, like yes. But don't forget your internal stakeholders, right? I mean, we have certainly seen in the last two years uh, employees take to the street to protest yeah. against their employer about um, the practices and the environment in which they work. Uh, 
um, primarily around, you know, uh, environments that are uh, harassing um, sexually and otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, just, just generally not good places to work. And that ties back into your governance piece, Tracy, because um, internal audit has a huge role to play in, in helping the board understand its risks and fulfilling its oversight duty in, does it, is the ethics and compliance program working, right? I mean, there should be on the internal audit planning some review of, do we have a hotline? Is it really as co- confidential? Testing, is it anonymous, right? Those things are terribly important because those are processes we've put in place Right, that that we um, make uh, statements and disclosures and promises to employees and others that they work. Are they working as intended? Yeah. <laughs> audit should audit should provide that insur- Audit should be providing that assurance to the board, yeah, and, and executive management. But they should absolutely have a seat at the table. Absolutely. And then to hit um, Bud's initial question, which I think is interesting. Uh, what is the role of external audit for reviewing and providing assurance for ESG disclosures? Yeah, so so I, it will be interesting to see how we see the divide, mm-hmm. right? Will the external auditors get very focused on it from kind of like the SEC perspective and treat it kind of as they do socks? Uh, I think that's that's highly likely. Will will they potentially go deeper? Uh, maybe not on a private company. They may not think of your sustainability report like your financial reporting. Uh, I think, though, mm, people are looking at those reports and you've made statements and you need to make sure that they're complete and accurate. And, you know, we hear a lot about uh, greenwashing, but on the S and the G part, we can't be ethics washing either. Um, so, I, I'm not sure exactly how the external auditors will look at that and at how they might roll it into their uh, annual, ex, you know, external audit. Uh, but it's a great conversation to be having with them right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, Hal makes another good point. If, if we're thinking about, it, especially with people moving around, call it what you want, Great Recession, whatever. Um, but it, it, Hal says if you want to be an employer of choice, what would future employees expect of you also? And I think especially as you start to look at, I've, I've seen various stats about uh, Gen Z or whatever's after or is, you know, X percent, something north of 50 think that there's going to be like a global environmental disaster or something like that. Like it's, they're, they're learning that. Um, it's almost, I don't, I don't know if it's being taught in school. I don't want to get into that. Seems like that could be a mess, but um but I, I could definitely see them being more about like, okay, this employer is great. All things being equal, this one's ESG, we'll just call it a rating, is better. And I like what they're doing, where they're going environmentally. And so I'm, I'm, I would rather go there than this other employer. Um, so I could definitely see that making an impact also. Um, and then I also want to get to this other question by Hal. Sorry, Tracy, go ahead. I was just going to say, I wonder if if your question, Trent, has a, there's a generational impact as well. Hey, hey. Right? Yeah. So the millennials and, and, you know, younger end of the spectrum are more interested in those kind of companies as opposed to some of us older. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. (laughs) You know, I I would just say that COVID made us all sit back 
and say, I, I only have so much time on this earth, mm -hmm. however long it may be, and I want to do something that, that is meaningful to me. Yeah. And meaning is tied to purpose. Yeah. Right. And, and, and when you have an organization that says one thing and does another, mm -hmm. um, I think people have become tired uh, of that dynamic. Uh, and I think people also want to be proud of the organization that they work for, no matter how old they are. <laughs> um, and they are beginning to question uh, uh, in a much more deep way, is this a good organization? Does it support its communities? Does it have the right governance structure? Do I trust that they're going to yeah. do the right thing? And that inherently, I think for many people means, and that includes taking care of the environment. They think it's just part and parcel. It's not an extra add-on. It's something you should be thinking about in everything that you do. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. And I uh, back to you, your stakeholders. You know, we don't talk about the supply chain disruption of employees, um, but I think there is one: old, young, middle, career, whatever. People are beginning to say, "Yeah." I might like the job, but I don't like the organization. So I'll get the job at another organization. Yeah. I think there was, I think it was a McKinsey. I'm not sure. One of those um, uh, consultant at, I think it was Shell. And after being there for however long they went, I can't support what you guys are doing. Like, I think once they got into the details, maybe, um, I can't recall. This was maybe earlier this week, late last week. And they said, I'm, I'm, I quit. I can't do it anymore. Like I'm not, I can't do that for you. And so I think it speaks to that a little bit. Um, I did want to get to Hal's other question because I think it helps drive home, um, like audits role and where like, maybe even next steps or things to consider. Um, but mentions that he has an article he's working on for internal audit 360 that he's hoping to be published. Uh, if not, I want to read it anyway. Now, you know, I love, well, I love everything that you write. I'm sure it'll be published. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but Hal says that it talks about two key things. Is it the right data, i.e. the advisory side? Uh, and is the data right, i.e. the assurance side? And just general thoughts there. Is that is that maybe a lens that we could look at it through from the audit perspective? At, oh, absolutely. And I, at, and I think on the advisory side, the conversation about what should be disclosed, what index should be used, do you have to, right? Everything right now is still voluntary for a U.S. corporation uh, is an extremely important conversation because I think everybody knows once you put those things out there as goals and your measures and your metrics, people will sometimes cut corners to get it done. No. And it can also have unintended consequences, right? So in your race to be, you know, uh, net carbon zero, what are you doing about maybe some of your other waste or other things? And so I think the advisory piece uh, is is incredibly important. And internal audit has a, an absolute um, role to play here on thinking that all of that through and advising the business. And then, you know, I've talked about the ethics washing and the greenwashing. Absolutely. I mean, we've already had a number of companies be highly embarrassed that, you know, the reports are not true. And what sinks a company faster than a rep their, their reputation being tarnished? 
private yeah, or culture. No. Yeah. So I I think it's spot on, Hill. All right. I think I thank you, uh, Hal and Bud, both for asking better questions than I had prepared. Uh, always appreciate that. Ellen, thanks a ton for giving fantastic answers. ESG has just been thrown up. It feels like everywhere I go, I see it. And this is it probably the best conversation, most uh, informative that I've had anyway uh, with someone about it. So thank you very much for that. I'll just quickly say, uh, again, this is the audit room. We're live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you, Tracy, and then Ellen, if you could, because I know you mentioned um, you're doing this type of work with some of your clients overseas as well as here. And so maybe if you could hit on how you're helping your clients relative to ESG and especially is there like a given um, sector or industry that is like your area, you work, is oil and gas your thing? Is it like, hey, we, we service everybody. But before that, Tracy, I'll throw it to you and then Ellen, you can close us up. Absolutely. And after Ellen closes closes us out, I'd like to say one more thing. So I don't want to disrupt the flow right now. I do just want to say, Ellen, um, thank you so much for being with us and for everybody who's with us today in the audience for asking questions. If we're not all connected on LinkedIn, please do connect um, so that we can stay in touch and see what everybody is up to and support each other. And Ellen, I'll hand it over to you. Yeah. So um no specific industry in regards to my clients. Some are public, some are private. Uh, and uh, really, I've been we've been focused on helping the ethics and compliance team figure out what what what's their role. Uh, are they the fact checkers at the end? Or are they that that assurance piece? Are they the advisory piece? Uh, and then also, I think really critically, what kind of goals or measures or metrics are going to go into that sustainability report? Uh, and um, I certainly have been saying to my clients, um, you know, you need to think about that and come up with what you're willing to commit to based on your data and, and what you're comfortable with being transparent about. Because if you don't, next year they're going to tell you what your goal is whether it's, you know, uh, training 100% of people on the code of conduct or uh, other kinds of training or other things. So so really, it's very important for you to be in the driver's seat because you know your operations better than any anybody else. I will also say that there is um, a renewed, is maybe the wrong word, but a tremendous amount of interest uh, related to the UN Global Compact uh, anti-bribery, anti-corruption, and how that impacts modern slavery. And internal audit is an invaluable resource in regards to doing human rights assessments uh, and other third-party uh, assessments. Um, we don't pay attention um, sometimes to the invisible, and there are people um, that uh, we come in, in contact with who simply are not free human beings. And that is, I think, going to be a real spotlight in the future. Uh, and I think it's a tremendous opportunity for internal audit and ethics and compliance to work together and be at the forefront of how do we help stop modern slavery. So, Tracy, I think you had one more comment. Well, that brings another question to mind now. I'm sorry, Trent, you can cut me off whenever you want or stop recording whenever you want. But, I mean, is audit ready to look 
for modern slavery and to help identify modern slavery, modern day slavery? I, I think they are. I mean, I think they absolutely can be. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of data uh, out there also. And, and usually, you know, a particular during COVID, right? Um, internal audit had the opportunity, it, virtually at least, but to still touch the field. Right? Internal audit touches the field in a way that some other departments never do. Uh, and, you know, is this something that can get folded into some of your other operational audits or is it an audit in of itself? I, maybe it's both depending upon your organization, but um, I, I think um, absolutely internal audit um, mm -hmm. is just a huge partner in helping us figure out where are we exposed to it? What can we do to help identify it? And what do we help do to stop it? And I've seen where in the, uh, at least in the UK, they, and talking to them about their data analytics, uh, a couple of organizations, that was one of the, the, one of the first analytics programs they set up was around that topic. And like, I mean, I remember seeing it and going, is that, I've never even heard of that. Is that what, so it might be another thing where, um, they're kind of ahead of the curve relative to the U S and we have, um, what we can learn from them anyway. Okay.